And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Starcast, the German football pod brought to you by The Athletic. Today, it's blue murder at Schalke, as not one or two, but five key personnel get their marching orders on Sunday. There's also trouble at Hertha, whose winless streak now stretches to nine games, and what's up at Bayer Leverkusen? Is it time to worry about Peter Bosch's future, we wonder. We also have Christoph Biermann on hand to tell us about his appreciation of Hoffenheim, yes, really, as well as his take on the title race and the abysmal record of German teams in the Europa League. All of this and much more in Stahlkast. Hello dear listener and hello Christoph. Before we get going, here's a reminder that you can now subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of £3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers and me, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts. Go to theathletic.com slash starcastpod to take advantage of this very special 40% discount offer. That's theathletic.com slash starcastpod. Okay, Christoph, there's only one place we, we start here, and of course that is Gelsenkirchen. What a mess. Uh, on Sunday, almost everyone got fired. The, the head coach, Christian Gross, his assistant, Rainer Wiedmeier, the squad manager, Sascha Rita, the fitness coach or head of performance, I should say, Werner Leuthardt, and the sporting director, Jochen Schneider, all left or had to leave. The results were bad. Schalke lost another game at Stuttgart. Uh, they're all but down. But what happened that they got to the point where they felt almost everyone had to go? Um, during the week, presumably, there was a kind of players' revolution. Uh, or not. Um, so so some of the, the players, um, especially the, the players that were... Um, uh, coming in in the winter break, um, Seat Kolasinac coming uh, from Schalke together with Skodran Mustafi and uh, Schalke legend Klaas-Jan Hünteler uh, approaching uh, 40, um, who, who came in from Ajax Amsterdam. Um, they were complaining to um, uh, squad manager Sascha Rita about uh, head coach Christian Gross because uh, they found the training boring, preparation for matches inadequate. Um, uh, there were always talks in, in recent weeks that um, Gross was confusing players' names that he didn't know much about. Uh, the teams uh, Schalke were uh, playing against and, and so on and uh, and so on. And um, so 
Um, after the 1-5 uh, defeat at Stuttgart, the uh, controlling board uh, of Schalke decided uh, what was decided then to, to let them all go and, um, and to uh, yeah, uh, start not afresh, <laughs> I think that would be wrong, uh, but to, I don't know actually, uh, how, how would you say it? I mean, what, what, what uh, I, they just wanted to get rid of the people or did they wanted to start something? Do, do they want to prepare for the next season or, um, it's, uh, I mean, I don't know. This is this is totally uh, unprecedented um, in the history of the Bundesliga. I think that there yeah. is such a wholesale change. Um, <laughs> it's 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 a players' revolution, but it's also sort of a coup from from above because the advisory board they are technically able to do this, but they very rarely at clubs get involved to the to the extent that they just fire absolutely everyone. <laughs> Yeah, and um, so in the result, Schalke will be the first club in the history of the Bundesliga um, that started in 1963 to have five coaches uh, in one season. and uh, Maybe six, maybe. there's still time. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the obvious joke, yeah, you're right. Um, uh, so it's, I mean, I mean, Schalke is is famous for being an emotional club, a club that has a, uh, is, is in a way a drama queen, uh, that, that likes to have some chaos, but, but even, uh, for their standards, uh, uh that's remarkable, <laughs> a remark, a remarkable achievement. I mean, what I found a bit, disconcerting is the idea that uh, the person in charge is mixing up languages and confusing names. I mean, that must have been very unsettling. Um, I mean, qu'est-ce que tu penses, Otto, about this? <laughs> okay, can you do that in Italian uh, also or in Arabic? <laughs> I mean, Christian Gross, was a, he was a coach in, in, in Egypt and, and Saudi Arabia, so maybe he had picked up some uh, Arabic. Um, yeah, I mean, it's that Christian Gross story, and we haven't heard all the details yet. It's sort of just the icing on the cake for how the season has gone. I mean, he was seen as sort of the last resort. Somebody with experience, somebody with discipline. And I guess the fact that the players, and I think we can probably take it as read that something along those lines did happen. Uh, uh, the fact that the players seem to be in a position where they felt they had to make their doubts known to the superiors, even though it didn't probably make that much of a difference for the rest of the season, would suggest that the situation was was pretty pretty dire behind the scenes. Um, what I'm interested to know, as far as you know, Christoph, is Sharkov had a had a problem in positions of power ever since Clemens Tönnies, who was a, the de facto strong man of the club left last year. Who is actually now in charge? If you are, let's say, Ralf Rangnick or Peter Neuruhr, and you want to talk to Schalke, or Schalke want to talk to you about taking over next season in Bundesliga 2, 
who is actually making those decisions and are Schalke even in a in a position to make these big decisions because there's another election coming up for the supervisory board correct me if I'm wrong in June so we don't we don't even have a consistency at that level possibly yeah we, we won't have a, a consistency at, uh, on that level because a, a lot of people um, probably all of them will be voted out in June because um, uh, what you can say is uh, if there are uh, the advisory board that has to control what's going on or well, they didn't control it properly because um, otherwise uh, this kind of situation wouldn't have occurred so um, Technically, um, it's this um, uh, Aufsichtsrat, uh, supervisory board, um, that is taking this kind of decisions. They were the people that were the, the group that was firing them. Um, there is a lawyer, Jens Buchter, a lawyer from Düsseldorf, who is head of this group. And um, they have installed a temporary uh, uh, sports director that is uh, Peter Knebel, who was uh, running the, the youth um, uh, scheme at, at Schalke. He is a very experienced man, having been working for the um, Swiss Federation, for example, for Hamburg and so on. And Hamburger SV, is that really the sort of CV that you want? <laughs> yeah, but, 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 yeah, but, but no, he, he, he actually, especially in, in, in Switzerland, he, he did a very good job. I mean, there is this uh, funny story um, where he, he lost uh, <laughs> important information in a park in Hamburg. That was a very funny uh, funny in, story. in a rucksack, That's, yeah. In a rucksack, exactly. And uh, but but he 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 is a he is a very qualified man, but specialized in in youth football, and uh, so so he is only jumping in temporarily. But he will be the man uh, to find uh, the next coach, whoever uh, that will be, uh, whoever wants to. I, I mean. Uh, it, is there any chance if, if, if you take take over this job to, to win any, anything as a coach? I don't know. Um, so um, altogether, uh, Schalke really is in a terrible situation uh, because not be uh, they're not only going down, uh, but um, how do they prepare for, for the next season? Um, there are also the sponsors for example I, uh, what i've heard they would be keen to support schalke even in the second division if schalke is providing um, them with a plan with an idea uh, where they are heading to and but that idea is uh, um, right now somewhere in obscurity it's vague, and it's vague. <laughs> Awake is, 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 is almost too much uh, because right now there is no idea and um, yeah. and, and that is, um, yeah, and, and so um, the only advantage Schalke has now in a way is that you know where you will be playing next season. That's a second division and that you can prepare for it and you have time to decide uh, who will uh, leave and who will come and who will take over and so on and so on. But um, um, I, I, 
I would be afraid a bit that they um, will uh, are losing a lot of time in in the coming weeks because the uh, overall situation is so chaotic. Yeah, planning is going to be difficult. There's a story going around that uh, Gazprom, who's their their main sponsor, will not be obligated to pay any money if Schalke go down, and of course they they will go down, which would be another big problem for them. It's a, a, a 20 million euro deal. I mean, that is huge. One of the biggest sponsor deals in the Bundesliga. Yeah, and they might they might not want to light up the football in Bundesliga too. <laughs> um, Christoph, if you were to advise Schalke, and of course that is not a position anyone wants to be in, <laughs> but let's say it was your job or your, your passion, is there anyone you could suggest at leadership level or at coaching level that might sort this out for them? It's a right question to to ask right now, but but I think uh, Schalke has to decide on something uh, that is um, uh, on a more organizational or technically sounding level, but very important because I think their overall structure is is wrong. We've been talking about this advisory board who was. Um, the de facto uh, government for Schalke, especially under, under Clemens Tönnies, and that was completely wrong. Um, it was completely wrong that uh, Clemens Tönnies was the um, uh, de facto CEO of Schalke, the, the, because everybody saw, saw him as a, uh, the big boss, uh, where he was uh, in the controlling position. And after he left the club um, last June, there was a vacuum, there was a void, there was a nothing um, that had to do with, um, because if you have somebody who is so strong over the years as a, as a person, as a, as a leader and so on, everybody is looking at him um, before making uh, decisions and um, and uh, that was wrong and that has to be corrected also this um, uh, advisory board is much too big it, it contains of 11 people who have to be uh, voted on um, constantly and uh, so so a lot of these people uh, trying to bring uh, the the public behind them and they do this with wire talking to journalists and so on. So uh, Schalke is or has been too much of an open book in recent years. And Schalke can only turn things around if they um, correct this. Um, so there is a problem, a deeply rooted uh, problem because there, there was an overall culture at this club where you could send it could have sent in uh, let's say Pep Guardiola also and he would have failed because it, it, it the complete setup was was a, a disaster and uh, it will it will stay a disaster if if Schalke is not able to to change this well on that glum note um we better move on because I was get too depressing <laughs> on a Monday. <laughs> Manic Monday, yeah. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com 
slash courtside to learn more. I guess in happier news, uh, Borussia Dortmund, their neighbors, they're on the comeback path, if you will. Ever since Marco Rosa's incoming management tenure was announced, they seem to have recovered a bit of form, a bit of confidence. I think the Sevilla game especially seemed to be a bit of a crunch game in the positive sense for them. Uh, they turned up again against Bielefeld, uh, 3-0. Jaden Sancho with an outstanding performance throughout. He's back to his best after one or two indifferent months. And it's probably too late to have any impact in the title race. But with a big cup game against Gladbach looming, and they will be favourites to win the cup because Bayern are no longer there, and a very strong position in the Champions League, could this season still have a happy end? Of sorts. Rafa, haven't we decided to be cautious about Borussia Dortmund? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, so we, we, we have been swinging from, from I want pessimism to, to optimism. You want to believe, that's, uh, that's okay. But, but maybe um, I, I would say the season will be decided in, in the next 10 days, um, in a way, because you already mentioned the big cup match uh, on Tuesday in Mönchengladbach, the big match in Germany on, on Saturday, uh, Bayern facing Borussia Dortmund, and then there is a, the second um, uh, leg of the uh, Sevilla, uh, of Sevilla in Dortmund, uh, still difficult so um, if, if they if they uh, get through in the uh, two uh, cup competitions and get a decent result from Munich um, I would be on your side and and yes you're right the 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 trend is a friend uh, at Borussia Dortmund uh, right now but as I um, as I tend to say in in recent weeks um, uh, I I'd better be careful. Mm, yeah, okay. I understand why you want to be careful. We've been, we've been hurt before on this pod. We've been disappointed many, many times, uh, along with um, Dortmund supporters by this team. But there's just a sense, just a sense that things are... Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. They looked uh, decent in, in, in uh, recent weeks. And, and you, you, were, uh, you were also right to... Um, to to point at the uh, match in CV because um, it, it was exceptionally well played and uh, you had the impression that they were sticking to the plan of Edin Terzic, especially that they had a more compact uh, defense. And um, we were saying that already before, that is key also for Borussia Dortmund. And um, if they manage to further develop in that field, yeah, they are, uh, their season could end on a positive note, qualifying again for the Champions League and so on and so on. So, yeah, the outlook is good, but we will be still cautious. Yeah, I think um, you're right to, to be cautious. Uh, let's see what Dortmund could do. As you said, some huge, huge games coming up for them. Also, interestingly, they were one of the very few winners on top of the table this week because Eintracht Frankfurt, their rivals for fourth spot, had a disappointing result away to Bremen. Below them, Bayer Leverkusen, maybe less surprisingly, lost again at home to Freiburg. And they're sort of in free fall at the moment. 
got knocked out by young boys, then get knocked out by old boy Christian Streich and <laughs> the mighty Freiburg. Is it time, Christoph, even for cautious pundits like you, to worry <laughs> about Peter Bosch's future? Um, if, if I uh, listen to uh, Woody Fuller, um, uh, the um, head of sport at uh, Bayer Leverkusen Nord, because he was saying that um, Peter Bosch is um, Leverkusen's plan A, B and C. Uh, so that sounds like uh, a big support from from his superiors, but um, uh, you're right. Um, I mean, uh, Leverkusen is 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 in a in a kind of free fall um, that was not to be expected at all. And I'm wondering. I mean, we um, we had um, we had been talking uh, very often uh, about this um, game against Bayern München uh, shortly before Christmas, where they played some fantastic football but lost um, uh, uh, seconds before the end. And um, after this, I mean, they the the free fall didn't start com completely start, but they seem to never recover from that. And um, from a um, sports psychologist's point of view, I, I find find this fascinating. It it seems like um, uh, that they never recovered from this situation. Well, for sports psychologists, Leverkusen is sort of the equivalent of um, of quantum physics. So I don't know what, what <laughs> uh, uh, one of the most difficult <laughs> things to figure out, and maybe impossible to figure out why it is that they're underperforming. Or maybe it's not impossible. Maybe it's because upstairs, despite Rudy Feller's statements to the contrary, there isn't a lot of pressure to succeed. The best players tend to move on. Those who are left behind are perhaps those who are quite comfortable with being sort of fourth and fifth. I don't know if that explains it, but it's it's a bit of a shame to see that Peter Bosch's football, who which on its day can be really beautiful, just doesn't seem to be working consistently, at least not at the moment. But we'll have to see if they can recover. I think we have to talk about a couple of clubs that we haven't really paid much attention to on this pod in recent weeks. One scandalously, I should say, is, is Union Berlin because we're kind of used to them just being now in mid-table or even perhaps slightly above that. And it's no longer such a big story. Uh, the other is Hoffenheim, who, yeah, don't don't command too much attention anyway because of who they are, a village club, often in, in mid-table. But you went to see both of them play in the flesh on Sunday. So maybe... This is a good point to, to talk about them a little bit. First of all, Union. Max Kruse was back. In his absence, Union have done well. Is there a suggestion that they could be doing even better now that he's back? Yeah, but what you could see is um, after uh, uh, three months out, um, uh, I think it will uh, take a bit of time until Max Kruse is, is uh, fully back in, in form. And yesterday, Union was pretty lucky uh, to get a draw at home, 1-1 uh, against Hoffenheim, because um, especially towards the end, um, Hoffenheim was a much better team. 
Um, I mean, I, I, I tend to, to like the way uh, Hoffenheim plays and it's a bit of a shame that um, they were struggling with so much injuries and COVID cases over the season. So for them, in a way, it's a, it's a lost season, the first one under uh, Sebastian Hoeneß. And, um, but you, you can see what they could be capable of. I mean, uh, Sebastian Rudi... Um, is is in a terrific form right now. Uh, it's it's really impressive. It must be another person uh, compared to the one who played at, at at Schalke, and to an extent also at Bayern Munich. So he seems to be <laughs> maybe he is a village boy who needs to play in the in his uh, uh, little village. But he is so ghost. Christoph Baumgartner in midfield, uh, the uh, Austrian. He is such a talented player. So, it 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 could be um, uh, fun to. Uh, it can be uh, fun to watch them on on a good day. Um, but uh, these good days have been very rare this season, and and I think it's for them. It's also uh, it was a huge dis- disappointment to go out in the Europa League against Molde, uh, who came from the, the middle of the Scandinavian winter break. And um, so um, altogether a season to forget for, for Offenheim. But, but I would say um, we, we should have a look at, uh, uh, keep an eye on them when the next season uh, comes, because uh, the substance there is actually really good. Mm, that's an interesting point, but I want to pick up on on what you said about their performance or their defeat, I should say, in the Europa League. I was having an argument or discussion uh, or debate <laughs> with uh, people on Twitter because there seems to have been this uh, sort of agreement or consensus in Germany that the fact that German teams haven't done anything of note in the last 24 years since Schalke won the UEFA Cup in 1997 is not down to some lack of quality or you know structural issues but because German teams don't want it enough in this competition now to me that seems a very convenient way of dealing with this especially when it comes to clubs like Hoffenheim who you said are disappointed what else do they have to play for if if it's not the Europa League against Molde so what what is your take on this? Why are German teams are not better? Is it really because they just can't be bothered to turn up in this competition? No, I, I think uh, there were, there are other examples. Uh, the most famous Eintracht Frankfurt uh, two years ago, three years ago, when they had the fantastic run that only ended in in semi final, and also Borussia Mönchengladbach did it uh, to an extent and. Uh, uh, yes, there were some clubs where you had the feeling that they, in a way, didn't want to to play in the Europa League when they qualified for it. Hertha, for example, a very appalling example was when uh, Freiburg went out in Slovenia and you had the feeling that they were actually happy not to qualify for the group stages uh, 
and so on. So um, I, I think um, to an extent it's um, that sometimes big clubs, for example, Hertha were in groups that in a way didn't seem to inspire them or where the competition was not embraced by the supporters of the, of the clubs. But um, uh, there's also a, a certain extent of randomness uh, in that. So. Um, uh, yes, uh, some of the German teams went out against uh, uh, clubs from smaller leagues where you shouldn't uh, go out, but there were also others going out against big clubs. So um, a good example of how happy uh, people were with international uh, games in the Europa League FC Cologne when they were allocated only a small number of tickets when they're playing at Arsenal. And uh, I don't know, five or, or, or six thousand people sneaked in uh, to almost take over the Emirates. Uh, uh, we were both there on this on this evening. It was a terrific evening in North London, and um, so um, I think it's uh, so the, the the story as it has been told um, uh, last week uh, is is uh, is not true. Okay, I see you. You're sticking with your new policy of being cautious about everything I say. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I might need some different kind of more outspoken pundit on this show next time. But uh, no, no, I'm we've, fired. We've, yeah, yeah. We no, you're not fired yet. We, we value we value your measured input, of course, above everything else. Um, Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Before I let you go... Can you find some enthusiasm about the title race? Because Bayern Munich's lead is still only two points. They won on Saturday against Köln. It was a regulation win. Köln with very little um, chance of getting anything from that game. Bayern doing their Bayern thing, just just grinding down the opposition, just scoring goals for fun, essentially. Um, but Leipzig, uh, more importantly, came back from a 2-0 deficit at halftime against Borussia Mönchengladbach to run out 3-2 winners in slightly controversial circumstances because there were some refereeing decisions that uh, Nagelsmann and Rosa didn't agree with but especially on the, the last goal very late on from Leipzig but uh, we saw a lot on being on target but um, just a sense that this was the sort of game the sort of win that a proper title race contender might come away with. So a bit of momentum for Leipzig and with Bayern heading into that game against Dortmund, maybe a chance 
for Leipzig to overtake them or at least make up some ground next week. Christoph, is it the fact that it's Bayern and Leipzig, two teams who are perhaps not the most universally loved inside Germany? I think it's maybe the best way of putting it. Is that a factor in perhaps people don't getting that excited or is it more a sense of well Bayern will win anyway where, where do you stand in this as I've told uh, pretty often before here I have a, a clear dislike of the overall concept of RB Leipzig but on the other side I have to say that um, it's very impressive um, how they are as a football team how well they play how much energy Julian Nagelsmann brings into it all but um, the overall feeling um, with a lot of football supporters in, in Germany is, uh, in the end, better let Bayern win it. And uh, most people think uh, that uh, they will win it. And, and you were saying that uh, Bayern is um, also disliked in Germany, but they are on, on the other side, they are the, uh, the club with the, that has the most supporters uh, in the country. Um, so a lot of people would be happy if they would win the next uh, German championship. And that is not true about uh, RB Leipzig. Um, I think there are a, a lot of kind of neutrals who have warmed to, to them, but uh, overall they are more unpopular than popular still. So I think there would be a, a much bigger buzz if uh, Borussia Dortmund or or maybe some someone like a, a club like Frankfurt or Borussia Mönchengladbach would be in the in the title race against uh, Bayern Munich right now. Yeah, I agree with that. Just before you go, Christoph, uh, one club that's been a little bit in the shade of the Omnishams that is Schalke, is, is Hertha, because otherwise I think we'd be talking a lot more about their issues. Uh, they lost again at the weekend, uh, this time 2-0 at Wolfsburg, high-flying Wolfsburg, we should say. They are um, firmly ensconced in that third position. This was their ninth game without a win. Uh, among those nine games, there were seven defeats, if my stats are accurate. They're just one point off the relegation zone. It's just perhaps even the bigger story than Schalke. I mean, Schalke have, of course, many fans and they're a blue chip side, but Hertha going down, possibly, after all the investment, 250 million euros or so, would that be even more of a sporting catastrophe, in a sense? It would be uh, a, a, a fascinating uh, a catastrophe, yes, uh, but it won't happen. Um, at least I think it won't happen because, again, Hertha played uh, decent football. They were pretty unlucky to not get anything from the game in Wolfsburg and uh, and also they were pretty unlucky because uh, they lost three players um, to injuries. Uh, Sami Khedira, 
who uh, surprisingly seems to be a kind of inspiration uh, just from the start, although he hadn't played uh, for such a long time. Uh, Mateusz Kunia, the star player of the team, and also Radonjic who came in uh, at the winter break, they won't be available for the now absolutely uh, crucial match against Augsburg uh, next weekend in in Berlin. So so that is probably one of the biggest matches for, for Hertha in, in recent weeks because um, you can say, yeah, they lost a lot of matches, they gave away a lot of points in recent weeks, but, but they were uh, playing the big teams like Wolfsburg and Bayern and, and so on, and they, they played some decent football. But against Augsburg, in a way, uh, it's a you-have-to-win match. So uh, this will be hugely important for them. But my impression still is uh, that Paul Dardai will manage uh, them to avoid relegation. Well, we've heard about teams being too good to go down before. As you said, Augsburg is, is a huge game because afterwards they have Dortmund away then Leverkusen at home, then Union Berlin in the derby, where one team is fighting against relegation, and it's not Union. And then they've got Gladbach, Mainz, Freiburg, and Schalke. So some very, very big games coming up for Hertha. Let's see what happens there. I think the Bundesliga, despite all the drabness that comes with not having any fans, is actually turning into, it's turning into a pretty interesting season, both at the very top and at the very bottom. And we at Starcast, of course, will be following it all the ups and downs all the way till the end. So please be with us again next week after the big Bayern Dortmund game. We'll have all the analysis. We'll have more cautious takes from Christoph and uh, probably more Schalke madness on the way as well. Until then, take care of yourselves. Bye bye. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.